two has entered the podcast. Think we're good to go. Welcome right. back, people, people, people. Two player two has entered the podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Peterson, aka MC Paper Stacks, and with me as always is my co-host with the co-most. Derek Murkison, aka Full Metal Merc. What's up with you, Derek? Oh man, just another another week. Another week of doing too much and just not having enough fun. <laughs> just just doing the most, but not getting yeah. the most out of it. Damn it. Yeah. Damn it. So what's been up with you? What you doing the most on this week? Yeah, so I've been hitting up Goodwill Outlet like mm, every day, every single day. Mm. So Monday through Wednesday, I hit them up real heavy. And if you haven't been to Goodwill Outlet, it's basically like a garage sale at Goodwill. And you pretty much, they have all types of items and bins. Mm-hmm. And you just grab whatever you want and then you pay for it by weight. So it doesn't matter if it's worth $2 or $200. Whatever it weighs, you're going to pay, I think, $1.29 a pound. Mm. And that's what you're going to end up paying for it. Now, the only thing is you have to dig through this stuff. And to find the really good stuff, you got to push like all types of things, heavy stuff out of the way. And that's what eventually led me to kind of mess up my lower back a little bit. Mm. So I had to kind of give it a rest Thursday and Friday. But... Lift with your knees. Yeah, well, it's hard to do it when you're bending over a bin. <laughs> bend with your knees. Yeah, <laughs> bend with your knees. <laughs> bend with your knees. Yeah. Well, yeah, I yeah, I chilled out, so my back's doing better now. You said your back's doing better now. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I yeah, I have been to the outlet. It is nuts. It's like a giant uh, Goodwill themed bazaar. And you're right. It's just everything's kind of dumped. People are rummaging through it. Is it still like as busy as it has been in the past or is it pretty chill? I think it's pretty chill now. I usually go like the first round. So when they open at nine. Cool. And there's not that many people. But when it gets to like 11, Mm -hmm. I'm out of there. I'm like, nah. Because people are like snatching stuff and trying to run over you and do all that crazy shit. I'm like, no thanks. Yeah, I'm worried about you out here in these streets, man. Coronavirus Uh, done kicked up 68% in our state, bro. Yikes. Yeah, it's 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 on the rise again. And I got my sanitizer and my mask, so I should be good. Good. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, there's a couple of items for me that I think were kind of interesting. I picked up a new mic. I just wasn't satisfied with the I just I had to up the game and I was reading up on mics and Blue Yetis are kind of like ubiquitous. A lot of people talk about them, especially for streaming. And I think the reason why is because they have different modes that will allow the microphone to record from a specific direction. I now have a mic that will isolate one particular direction of pickup. And I have dials just like you do now, like to reduce the pickup like on the actual mic and things like that. It's gotten to the point now where I have it set up where I don't have to actually use headphones to listen to video games i stream i can play them on my tv and the mic won't pick them up the last yeah the last two streams i've done last night i played for friday night frights i played silent hill 3 and then i did episode like four i think of hades and both of those without headphones and it didn't pick up any sound on the mic except for me talking it was awesome and i was playing the the game at a pretty respectable volume too that game's pretty expensive now oh silent hill 3 how much does it run for uh it's like over 100 bucks well there's a reason for it. it's great we'll talk about it in a second but yeah i'm really excited about the mic things are sounding really good quality wise i think it'll help with the podcast too glad i dropped the extra money on the blue yeti so so far mikey likey yeah that was my first mic that i got when i was trying to get into voice acting oh yeah i didn't know you were trying to get into voice acting yeah it was i think the first year we were married and i just kind of gave up i remember the first year that we were married that was hard i'm glad that we got past that derek (laughs) (laughs) so like was your was your wife like like was victoria what did she think about you going into voice acting kind of curious she 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 was like yeah you should totally do it you have a great voice Hmm. i was like yeah well yeah so you know what's funny my this is kind of a weird coincidence my wife has been mentioning to me that i should pursue it and I would actually be really into doing voice acting, to be honest. I think it would be kind of fun. I think about the greats. I think about people like Troy Baker that can sound like completely different people and then yeah. also just sound like Troy Baker. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if I could ever be that good. But I guess it's a craft that you practice over time. But uh, when you were taking steps, like how did you get into it? Pretty much I just bought the mic. I bought a book by Yuri Lowenthal. Mm-hmm. I know him. Uh, yeah, he voices a uh, fireball jutsu. Yeah, <laughs> and also the main character in Tales of Vesperia. Okay, but yeah, I bought his book and I started reading a little bit. But that's pretty much as far as I got. 
and I oh I recorded a few uh like samples for this website to win a contest or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't win, but well, you know, I've been. It's funny that you bring that up. I feel like you're. I feel like this conversation is going to push me towards looking into it further. I had been mulling it over just because my wife had suggested it. I think I'm going to pursue it a little bit harder. So if I get a foot in somewhere, if I figure out a path, I will bring you along, brother. All right. And uh, if you're still interested, maybe maybe you'll be hearing us on your new favorite cartoons. Yeah. I know uh, my cousin, Michael Tyler, we talked about this on episode 13, I think it was. It was The Rock Got That Rona, Mm y'all. He works for... I'm trying to think. It's a uh, oh somebody in the background doing that motorcycles. Yeah, Meow. But yeah, I think he works for some sort of animation studio, if I recall, and he does like production notes and things. Like he's a production assistant, mm-hmm. so I can talk to him about anybody that maybe we can get hooked up with. I think obviously we're gonna have to. I don't know about like doing stuff local and indie, but the cool thing about voice acting is it's it's voice. You don't necessarily right. have to be in the booth, especially nowadays. Oh my god. Right. So yeah, let's look into that. So, what else? I've given up soda again. Okay. Not the Diet Coke. (laughs) Diet Coke, dude. I have to get rid of it. There's a couple of reasons why. One, Diet Coke encourages me to eat more. Like, I always feel like I got a snack when I'm having a Coke when it's not with a meal. Two, Mm -hmm. it causes me to drink a lot less water because it's just my beverage of choice. Three, even though it's Diet Coke, so there's no calories, the caffeine kind of, I'm addicted to caffeine. And I find that giving it up cold turkey was really hard. I stopped buying it. And lately, if it's been getting my cravings been getting so bad where I'm just in a really bad mood and I feel a little bit sickly, I'll grab one. So I've been having like one a day versus like the three or four I used to have a day. Mm-hmm. And that's actually been good. I've been feeling a little bit better. I've been sleeping better, which is good. Oh. And I've been getting more water in me too, which is making me feel better. So wish me luck because this is not the first time I've tried to quit. Right. But I'm thinking because I'm not out and about and I can't just go to Speedway and grab one anytime I want. I mean, I really have to make an effort to go out there and get it if I'm not putting it in the grocery cart or whatever Mm -hmm. since we order groceries online now. Uh, Which, oh my God, the fees on ordering groceries online are getting ridiculous. Yeah. And we'll we'll get to video games in a minute, listeners. (laughs) Please believe. But understand something. Domestically, you out here ordering these groceries, you got a $7 and some odd cent. Yeah, then you got a $7 and some odd cent temp. And then you got a $7 and some odd set, uh, cent delivery fee. I'm paying like $24 just to get my damn groceries delivered every week. What's up with that? Yeah, that's a, that starts to be a lot. It makes you think maybe I should just go get them myself. Yeah, except for, you know, the 68% rise in coronavirus cases. Kristen went to Walmart the other day to pick up like an odd and end or whatever. Uh-huh. And she was like, man, most of them in there ain't wearing masks. Even a lot of the employees just got around their chin. I'm like, what's the point? I'm like, damn. Yeah. They just don't care no more. People I hear just like, nope, we're tired of it. Just give us the disease. Yeah. I see that a lot. People walking to disc replay without mask, and I'm just like, what? Uh, I don't get it. Bro. I don't get it. Yeah. Or or like they'll wear their mask, but then they'll take it off to talk to you. And I'm like, that's literally the time when you need to keep that fucking thing on. Right. <laughs> it's just, oh boy. Those of us who are not understanding the severity of this pandemic, <laughs> I feel I feel for them, and I, I wish that I could get them to understand that the more that they act this way, the longer this fucking thing is going to drag out, and the more people are going to get sick and die. Like, mm-hmm. we got to get it together, America. Come on. Other countries are laughing at us. For real. Get your shit together. Wear your mask. Wear it over your nose. Wear it over your mouth. Christ. I mean, I feel like we're, we have an advantage. We talked about this before. We have an advantage as gamers. We're used to staying home. We're used to kind of keeping to ourselves, that type of thing. We're not, like, socially awkward or anything, but... We don't have to, we don't necessarily get cabin fever and go stir crazy like normal people do. And I think a lot of people are just getting cabin fever. They're getting stir crazy. They want to get out there. They want to get back to their old lives. And I totally get it. I just turned down a housewarming party or it was like a get together. I think, no, I think it was like a Friendsgiving mm-hmm. invite I got. And I, and the woman that invited me, I miss her so much. We used to work together and I want to go so bad, but I'm not going to go because we got to flatten this curve, y'all. We got to get rid of this thing. And we're not going to do it if we just keep going out and seeing each other and coughing each other's faces. Yeah. I got friends who are like, oh, I got a bubble. I'm keeping it cool. And then the next day I see him on Facebook cheek to cheek with some lady that I don't know. I'm like, who right. that? Who this? <laughs> so, I mean, I met her people. at the club. <laughs> oh, what, what, that? I mean, we were standing like six inches apart. Damn it. <laughs> Damn six it. Feet. <clears throat> six feet. Don't be taking no pictures. Anyways. Oh, man. Speaking of mental health uh, in the news, my wife actually suggested something to me that I found really interesting. I listen to a lot of other podcasts about various subjects and 
watch a lot of videos and stuff, just think pieces. I like to get deep sometimes. You know me. Mm-hmm. Was listening to some people talk about how the trauma that you get just from watching the news, especially nowadays, but just in general, and how it just interrupts your peace. Yeah. And I was like, I think I need to stop poisoning myself with so much news, but I want to stay informed because I'm an adult and I vote and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was talking to Kristen about it and she was like, you know what I do? I set an alarm on my Facebook because that's where I get most of my news and it'll go off when I've been on Facebook for an hour and I used to ignore it, but now I actually stick to it and I'll hop off. And I on Saturday mornings, I wake up before the two of you. She's talking about me and Ben because I usually work till 930. So I get up on Saturdays like 10 or 11 and um, I get some coffee. I sit down. I go to. You know, my my selected news outlets, she 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 rattled off like three or four news outlets she goes to. I check all the top stories. I get the news for like an hour or whatever. I get up to date and then I move on. And the rest of the week, I don't worry about it. And I was like, shit, that's really smart. Yeah. You know, and she's definitely a lot less worked up and a lot more at peace than I am. Mm. Uh, so I think there is something to that. So if you feel like you're getting a lot of stressed out, especially like this in election season and maybe your Facebook feed is a lot of politics. Maybe it's your Twitter where a lot of politics come at you. Like she's on TikTok and Instagram. Ain't no politics over there on her for, for her for that. She gets to be on there and have fun. But wherever it's like coming at you, for me, I think it's YouTube and probably Twitter. Right. Take a second to compartmentalize that. You know, find yourself a schedule so you can still dip in and do what you got to do, but then dip back out and let it go. Right? Yeah. Leave your work at work. Leave your politics at politics, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah. Going? I'm going to politics. I'm going to pop. Be right back. God. I'll be back in a couple hours. Okay. Jeez. I really like that idea. And I think for those of us who are trying to stay informed, but also get really stressed out really easily or are really empathic and just worried about the world, it might be a good way to stay informed, but also not stress yourself out so much. So. The only other thing for me, and then I want to talk about your pickups this week, because I'm really interested in what you got, especially since you threw your back out getting these pickups. Oh, yeah. I went to Comic-Con last year, and I saw something I had never seen before. I saw shadow boxes where they made frames using pixel art, and they were beautiful. They were also extremely expensive. I saw the original scene where you pick up one of the three Pokeballs in the original Pokemon Red and Blue. Oh, sweet. And it was like, yeah, it, all the three Pokeballs are there, and the little character, and they were all, it looked 3D. It was amazing. It was like over 100 bucks. Wow. And I was like, it's kind of steep for art. I get it because they're an independent company. They work hard and it probably takes a long time to make them, whatever, whatever. But I was like, I got to make these myself. Well, the other day I was browsing Twitter and I saw a deal for 8-bit shadow box art for like 25 bucks. And I go on to the store and I found three shadow boxes I bought for 25 bucks each. One is a six by six frame, six inch by six inch frame of Castlevania. Sympathy in the Night, and it's that part in the beginning where Death takes all of your good equipment. Uh-huh. So all the, his equipment, like he's splayed out and all of his equipment is like blasted out. And then I got another scene from Streets of Rage. It looks like Streets of Rage 2, and it's got Blaze and Axel. Axel's the white dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's got like the it's got like the street lamps and a couple of the enemies and the cop car that comes out. It, like it looks badass. And then the third one I got was a boss battle from Mega Man, but I can't remember which one. That's that one actually hasn't arrived, so maybe I'll talk about it later. Really neat eight bit shadow box art out there for those who are interested in kind of sprucing up your gaming area. I, I already have like in mind like the places I want to put. I'm gonna put a couple by my computer, and I want to put one by the landing when you walk down the stairs because it's nice and lit up. And you can see it every time you come down here. I think that would be kind of tight. So yeah. next time you visit, you have to check that out. Oh, yeah. All right. So what's up with these pickups, bro? Okay. So I uh, mentioned Goodwill Outlet earlier. Mm-hmm. So Goodwill Outlet can be hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. But this time was a big hit for me. And I went and I dug through some stuff and I found some G1 80s Transformers toys. Mm, cool. And, you know, those are not easy to come by. I think I grabbed like. 20 or so of them and i've actually got them a lot of them posted up right now on our ebay store but that's not even the best thing i picked up this week because as i've said before i seem to get the best pickups saturday morning before we do our podcast Uh uh-oh what you get so i went to the thrift store and i frankly there like i go there every day Mm -hmm. they know me and the lady was like hey check out over there we got some figures i was like okay bet (laughs) i go over there and it's like all types of marvel dc spawn just action figures galore and they're all priced individually i'm like okay i want to buy all of these Mm -hmm. but i need to not pay 
all this price. <laughs> right. I mean, not to pay all one price. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked the boss lady, I said, uh, hey, what can I do to get these for a little cheaper? I want to buy all of them. And she's like, okay. And then she gave me a price and then I gave her a price and then she gave me a price and then we agreed on it. So I ended up paying significantly less than what all of these figures were marked for. Nice. I think I got like ooh, 50 figures or so and they were marked at like $1.99, $2.99, $3.99. Mm-hmm. But uh, just an example of some of the stuff I got, some of my favorite stuff I picked out. I got a Jason figure, a World War Hulk, a Kilowog from Green Lantern, mm. a Harley Quinn from the Arkham series, mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther with the interchangeable face. Nice. Kick-Ass 2, Kick-Ass with all the body armor. Mm-hmm. Batman as a yellow lantern. Spawn, a Green Lantern figure. I actually, You know those statues at GameStop? I think they're called Gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a Green Lantern, Batwoman, Catwoman, and Nightwing. Wow. Of those. So, yeah, that was some of the cooler stuff that I picked up, man. It's I about passed out. It was ridiculous. That's and cool, I, man. I stand to make a, a good bit of good bit of money on these. I might even keep a few of them for myself. Yeah, I was gonna say that Chadwick Boseman, man. I'd probably keep that one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just in honor. Yeah. Uh, there's a lady friend of mine that I know because we rolled in the same circles as far as like high school friends, and she collects a lot of those figures, especially the horror ones. I'm gonna tell her about that. Can you let me know when you get them posted up? Because I think she'd probably want to buy a few of those. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, cool, cool, cool. Well, let's get into what we're playing this week. I know you were playing one particular game this week, but I also know we'll probably want to talk about that more in depth later on. Uh, you were you were in a Crash Bandicoot, right? Yep. Crash Bandicoot okay. Four, the newest one. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll pick that up here in a few. Let me rattle off mine real quick, and we'll we'll get into it here in a bit. Monday for Brawlers, I played Fire Emblem Warriors, and it sparked a fire in me. Wow. I pick that game up and then I get obsessed with it. I've been playing nothing but Fire Emblem Warriors in my spare time all week. I got back into trying to like min-max my characters and I almost have ultimate weapons unlocked and set up for all of them, which takes a lot of grinding. Right. But once I have all their weapons set up, then I can really play the game the way it was meant to be played. Because the way I feel like I'm dominated playing Fire Emblem Warriors now, and I wish they'd stop doing this with Warriors games, I kind of get why they do, but I also kind of hate it. For certain abilities on weapons, they're locked behind KO counts. So like, maybe like there's an ability you want that increases your power when you pair up with another character. You have to get 5,000 KOs on a weapon. The thing is, though, you don't know if the weapon you have with a 5,000 KO mark is for pair up or another ability. So you'll need to appraise the weapon. But to appraise a 5KO weapon, you need to spend like 50,000 gold, which is a ton of money in that game. Because wow. you only get like, even on a level where your aim is to get as much gold as you can, you, you can bust your ass for 10 minutes and maybe get like 27,000 gold, maybe. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about multiple characters and appraising weapon and it doesn't have pair up, doesn't have pair up, doesn't have pair up, has right. pair up. You know, spent like 250,000 gold just trying to find the ability you want to unlock. Then you got to usually fight at least two, sometimes three battles, depending on which level you're on, to unlock the ability. Then you got to pay money to move it on to the weapon that you do want to use it on. No, thank you. Yeah, and then you got, like, uh, especially after the DLC, you got almost 30 characters, maybe maybe more. I can't, I don't remember exactly. You got, like, 13 swordsmen. You got, like, four or five each of, like, the axe and the bowmen, like, six tome users, you got four or five spear users. You got Tiki. She uses dragon stones. You got all those weapons to manage. Oh, boy. Mm. But now that I'm at the point where I getting their weapons unlocked and like fully powered up the way I want them and customized. Now I can go in and go, who would be best to take out the enemies here? OK, this person gets crit hits against this enemy type. But there's a bunch of them in the stage. I'm going to pair them with this person because they're both really good together and they can offset each other's weaknesses. I'll pair this one up over here because they can move really fast. Then I'm switching between all the characters in the battlefield and sending the others where I want them. And I'm getting these battles done really good, which is great because the adventure maps from the DLC are so hard. Oh, yeah. They're extreme. Yeah, they're extremely hard. Like you have you have to have your levels over 100 for your characters you're using. And even then you can get your ass kicked real quick if you're not careful. So they did a really good job on balancing a difficulty. It's just in order to be viable and really play the game the way it was meant to be played, you have to do a lot of grinding. And that's the part I don't like. So, that's that shit I don't like. That's that shit I don't like. But 
I'm getting there and I'm really excited. So now I'm like obsessed and all I want to do, like I'm going to get off here and I'm probably going to play it again, even though I should probably <laughs> edit the podcast. I should probably edit the podcast. Right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Still playing Hades. Hades is amazing. I actually got to Hades this week. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah, he kicked my ass promptly, but I got there once. So that was cool. And I'm, you know, still going through and like meeting more gods and learning powers and upgrading like my innate powers I can take into each run. And it's a blast, man. Like sometimes I sit down to stream and especially if I'm obsessed with another game like Fire Emblem Wars, I'm like, oh, I got to sit down and play Hades. But as soon as I start playing and I'm having a blast, mm-hmm. I highly recommend that Hades to anybody who is into action games, action RPGs, roguelikes, roguelites, anybody who's into any kind of procedural game or who, who just digs like a decent story. Like the social interaction between him and the other gods is really cool. It's really well written. The music is great. Super giant always does great music though. Like you go back and listen to the bastion and transistor soundtrack. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. yeah. So I remember playing those. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, I played silent Hill three last night. Still scary. Still scared me. That game unnerves <laughs> me. That music is just, wow. Akira Yamaoka. Brings all the boys to the yard. Let me yeah. tell you, that guy, like he's he's a great composer. I had a really good time playing that, and it's just a expertly crafted game by Team Silent. And I can see why the PS2 version is so expensive because they botched the HD version. So yeah, thank you Konami for that. Konami. I tried out. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I said Konami. Konami. I tried out Super Mario Brothers 35, and okay. I I was avoiding it because I was like, am I even gonna have fun with that type of game? It's actually really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. It loads up the levels really fast. Like as soon as you hit the flag, boom, you're on the next level and you just keep going and you can collect coins, obviously, to get power ups. But the idea is to defeat as many enemies as possible to keep your clock going and stay alive longer than the other 34 players. And of course, the more enemies you kill, the more go to their side. But if they can effectively kill those enemies, then they get time. So it keeps them going. So there's like a there's like a back and forth game of, you know, you want enemies so you can send them to other people's places and you can get your time back and you also want to send it. But sending enemies, you know, makes a good player last longer. It's an endurance trial, really. I haven't gotten the number one, but I haven't played it a ton. But I think it whereas in in Tetris 99, it feels almost impossible to get number one in this game. It actually feels attainable to get number one. And super, and right. you unlock different levels as you play the game. So you start out with like level one, one, and it goes to like one, two, or like the sub one, one, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you can start at different points in the game the more you play. So it's it's a lot more varied as far as like which levels you want to run and play against others with, and that's really cool too. And you unlock avatars and other things really fast in that game. So that's actually nice. kind of neat. So yeah, I I honestly, I mean, it's free. I'd recommend it. I think it's really fun. It's a cool game to drop in and play a few rounds when you're bored. I mean, again, like Tetris, I love Tetris 99, but this is similar to that, but also different enough to where I feel like it's worthwhile for people to check out for sure. So Awesome. Yep, yep, yep. All right, well, let's get into a gaming news. Yeah. What you got this week, Dirk? All right, so some big news for GameStop. So mm-hmm. we reported last week that Microsoft and GameStop has started a little strategic partnership. Well, now it's been revealed that every Xbox Series X that GameStop sells at their stores, mm-hmm. they will get a cut of the digital sales made from that system indefinitely. How does that even work? Like, do they track the serial numbers? or? Yeah, I, I'm assuming it's going to have something to do with the serial numbers or whatever, but that's crazy. I've never heard of anything like that. That is insane. How do they get that deal? That's going to keep them alive. Yeah, I know. And I think that uh, Microsoft kind of sees that GameStop as like as much as they're looked at as like a bad company, they are like the biggest video game retailer. It's like like specifically video games pretty much Mm -hmm. in the world. So this is really clever. Microsoft's been throwing their big corporate dick around a lot. We've we've, we've been watching them for a while, like, you know, buy up this company, do this and that. The big beef that Sony and Microsoft, Nintendo, you know, any games publishers had with games resellers is they don't get any money off of resales. But that's where GameStop really makes this money is used games. Right. This eliminates the need to push used games as much Mm -hmm. because they can make now money off of digital sales. So by them giving up a little bit of Squirrel on the digital side, they can ensure that they get continuous cash flow by GameStop now employing practices to encourage people to buy digitally. 
Yeah. That, I should have bought GameStop stock when it dropped because it, it went up. Like, it went up. Yeah, yeah, I bet it did. I bet it did. So, oh, well. Yeah. Ah, well. What are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, another uh, little bit of Microsoft news that uh, I forgot to talk about in the notes. Mm. Elder Scrolls 6 is reported to, it might be Xbox Series X exclusive. I'm not surprised. So that's... That sucks, if it, if so, if, it, if so, that's a big win for Microsoft. Yeah. That's a huge win for Microsoft. Yeah, I wasn't I planning on... Yeah, no, I would too. I wasn't planning on getting an Xbox, and now I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to get an Xbox, don't I? Right, right. Is it, like, Skyrim was just amazing. Yeah, no. Yeah, like, it's, it's yeah. funny. As, as much flack as that game gets for like being re-released on everything, when you actually dive back into it, you're like, oh, yeah, this game is actually fucking awesome. Right. And similar to Breath of the Wild, you can go in and pursue the game infinitely different number of ways like i still haven't seen everything that game has to offer and i got all the trophies and everything obviously like originally on 360 right and i played all the dlc but there's just so much to do in that game and so many different ways to do it you know what i mean so many different builds i had like so many alternate different characters i had an emperor palpatine i was playing as where he he wore black robes and used nothing but lightning magic and like any anything that resembled force powers mm-hmm. i had a drist durden who dual bladed <laughs> dual wielded uh scimitars i had his enemy artemis and Trary, who even had a dagger that would drain life um and wore all, like all leather outfit or whatever i had I'm trying to think of like all the other characters i had this orc who just killed anybody he ran across he was just bloodthirsty so i didn't interact with me i just murdered anybody i could <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah i just walked the earth just like as a just a, a massive rage and devastate yeah yeah, I cut off so many threads for myself, just like no. Ah! <laughs> so I was run out of every town I was in. It was it was uh, it was great. But that's the thing; you can approach it in so many different ways. So yeah, that game, I can't say enough good things about. It, to be honest, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, let's see what else. If you are into the Guilty Gear series, Guilty Gear Strive is up for pre order at Best Buy. It will be releasing on PS Five. So that's good news for Guilty Gear people. I'm not a huge Guilty Gear fan, but I do enjoy their games. The first one I played was. Guilty Gear Zex 2 or mm-hmm. X2. Mm-hmm. And the most recent one, uh, Guilty Gear XR Revelator 2. Mm-hmm. These are <laughs> fighting games, games, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. Uh, now they're 2.5D fighting games. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. You're like, you're, you're on a 2D plane, but sometimes you go 3D. Oh, my God. I know. Just like the Dragon graphics. Ball Fighters. Yeah, they're so. Arc System Works is so good at their craft. It's ridiculous. That's great. Yeah. Let's see some Miles Morales PS5 news. Uh, they showed off some gameplay of Spider Cat. So it's a costume that you can get mm. that allows you to have this cat of this uh, convenience store owner who, who named his cat Spider Man. Mm. And the cat sits in the backpack and it has a Spider Man mask on. And Aww. when you do a finishing move, it attacks with you. Aww. So, like, uh, Miles, like, webs a dude, and then the cat jumps out, jumps onto the dude's face, and, like, scratches him on the face. <laughs> That's adorable. So cool. I know. I was like, this is, they really are just going all out with this Miles Morales, man. It's great. They also showed off the loading time. So, in Spider-Man PS4, mm-hmm. when Peter would go into, like, a base, an enemy base or something that was inside a building, mm-hmm. there would be, like, a long loading screen. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, in Miles Morales, he literally like just swings out of the base into the open world, and it's awesome. They have interiors. I've been waiting for this for so long, yeah. Derek. Mm-hmm. In an open world city, there are just seamless interiors. Well, I don't know. If, well, yeah, they're seamless interiors, but they're I'm sure they're like base mission based. So like, no, but that's still amazing. Do you know what yeah. this means? Like, ever since open world started, I've dreamed of a day where a city would be realistic enough to where you can go into a lot of modeled interiors and just interact. Mm-hmm. and a lot especially with these superhero games especially with spider-man games you just take those as an example they would sometimes have a few interiors you could go in without any loading or like a little bit of loading but you know like you said they were highly mission-based and just another map that basically loaded up but it sounds like we're getting closer with this next generation to having seamless interiors and maybe more of them to make the cities feel more alive and have more things to discover and explore mm-hmm. and i am so about that yeah that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. amazing. Good stuff, good stuff. Like, I loved it when, um, you know, in Grand Theft Auto 4, like, you could, you know, go along the pier and you could just walk into the bowling alley. Like, I like walking into places and checking them out and they function. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yakuza does a lot of that, too. Yeah, yeah. And the cool thing is, 
Well, and it's not surprising to Yakuza, I think, because what, what they do well, and I think this is something that a lot of people who make over open world games can learn from, so I'm glad you brought it up. They have a smaller map, but it's more densely packed. So they don't have to spend so much time and so much um, – they don't have to tax the hardware as much with their interiors because it's all condensed in that you know that small area of – what was it? Camarocho. Uh, Camarocho. Thank you. Yeah. And, of course, they do have sometimes in Yakuza games separate maps, but they have that main one. Right. And I think that that really helps. To me, I don't care if your map is the biggest ever. What I care is what you can do in it. And you can kind of get away with the gigantic map if you do interesting stuff like with Breath of the Wild. I swear, every time I was exploring Breath of the Wild, any direction I went in, if I saw something interesting, they put something there. They, the right. map, the open world map design in Breath of the Wild is head and shoulders above most of its peers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, And it did it without interiors. But if you have seamless interiors and a designer like those who use Breath of the Wild like or who did Breath of the Wild, I'm just... I'm reeling at the possibilities. That sounds yeah. amazing. I love exploring when there's something to explore. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of your empty Ubisoft maps where it's just all cut and paste garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Yeah. Speaking of Kamarocho, there's going to be a Streets of Rage 2 style Yakuza game called Streets of Kamarocho. Mm-hmm. It's available on Steam starting today, Saturday the 17th at the time of the recording. Mm-hmm. But it's only available until the 19th. So if you're interested in playing Streets of Kamarocho, get to Steam and buy it. I'm going to do that today for sure. I want to check it out. I think that'd be cool. Now, once you have it, they can't take it away, right? I didn't look all the way into it, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, you can't take something away. You purchased it. Yeah, well, I mean, they could PT it. They could remove it from the store where if you delete it, you can't re-download it. So yeah. But I doubt it's going to be that big, especially if it's a Streets of Rage thing. So right. I'd love to check that out. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. And what I was going to mention earlier, what's weird is a day or two ago, Ben, you know, ben just spouts nonsense at me because that's where we're at right now. He yeah. goes, Dad, have you ever seen a spider that's also a cat? And I was like, <laughs> no. What are you? He goes, a spider cat? And then you drop this news on me about spider cat. And I'm like, that's hilarious. He might is Ben keeping up with Miles Morales? Yeah, but the be. way he was describing it was like a monster spider cat, right? <laughs> so spider, I don't know like a spider with whiskers and could, paws. Yeah, could could just be a uh, a weird coincidence. But I just thought that was funny that you had mentioned that. Yeah, cool. What um, else you got? Let's see. Nino Kuni developer Level Five is reported to be shutting down its North American operations, hmm. and I could not be sadder because I don't know what this means for localization for their future games. I love Nino Kuni. I yeah. love Nino Kuni. Nino Kuni 2, not so much, but I still enjoyed what I played of it. Well, Level 5 has made a lot of great games. Like, if you go and Google Level 5, a lot of the RPGs yeah. that you really love came from them. I mean, they started, what, Dark Cloud and Dark Cloud 2, right? That's where they yeah. started. And you got Rogue Galaxy. That was a late PS2 title that was really good that not a lot of people got a chance to play until it re-released. I'm blanking on a lot of the, the games that they play, but they, they make great games. They do, and they've, exactly. they've actually collaborated with a lot of Western releases from other Japanese RPG companies. I think they even worked on Dragon Quest Eight. I want to say, maybe? Yeah. You think? I can't remember if they did or not. Uh, I think so. Yeah, but regardless, this is bad news, I think. So it's it's unfortunate that's happening. Any news about why or what they plan to do to augment you know, the loss of the studio in the U.S.? No, they basically all the reports said that I read was that we don't know how this is going to affect like localization and more in wait and see mode games over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that sucks. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I guess we'll yeah, have to wait yeah, and yeah. see. All right. What else you got? Ghost of Tsushima legends, the multiplayer yeah. released yesterday. Cool. And me and you are going to be playing that this week. I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah, like I said, we'll we'll talk about it after the podcast, but uh, I want to get on that either tomorrow or uh, Wednesday, I think, would be good, because I want to check that out. Then we can talk about it next week. So, yes, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, you got any news before we get into the big PS5 news? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, remember a few episodes back, we talked about how they finally disarmed all the nukes on Metal Gear Solid Five on PS3? Uh-huh. It was a hoax. Oh, yeah. According to news released by the Konami Twitter account, they said that somebody had accessed the game in less than savory ways, basically hacked it. They, they phrased it weird, but it was probably just lost in translation. Uh, but essentially, yeah, it, it wasn't done legit. And I think there's like over, a little over 100 nukes on the PS3 network right now. So we did not achieve world disarmament and world peace in Metal Gear 5 just yet. 
Sorry, guys. That sucks. They released a new trailer for the Monster Hunter movie that Paul oh, W.S. Yeah. Anderson is doing and put his wife in again because of nepotism. Mm-hmm. But it looks really good. Have you seen it? I did see it. I would disagree that it looks really good. Okay, fair enough. What's your take? I think the monsters look great. Yeah, me too. Let's get that out of the way. The monsters look amazing. They look fantastic. But, yeah, but Mila... I mean, here's, you've got Mila Jovovich... You've got T.I., you've got Megan Good. Mm-hmm. I love Tony Ja. Mm-hmm. Me too. That's straight. But I think the movie would have been better serviced as an actual adaptation of Monster Hunter and not a, oh, army unit gets, gets transported to Monster Hunter land. Mm-hmm. And now they have to learn how to survive mm-hmm. and use monster weapons. Yeah, I've seen that take. And I agree with you to a point. I think under maybe a more competent director and it sounds like I'm <laughs> throwing shade at Paul W.S. Anderson. I'm going to throw a little shade and also praise him at the same time. So I think under a different director that could work. But what I've seen with him is he's really easily bullied by American studios like movie studios to make it quote unquote more accessible to casual audiences and he'll sacrifice the property in the name of that. He did a really good job of Mortal Kombat, but then he shit the bed with Resident Evil. And Resident Evil is a wholly different beast before studio meddling and Paul W.S. Anderson being like, okay, you know. <laughs> also, he put his wife in it, and he met her, obviously, when he was filming Resident Evil or whatever. She's one of those actors, again, that's director-dependent, and he does not push her. She's She can be good. She was amazing in Run, Lola, Run. She was really good in The Fifth Element, I think. She showed a lot of mm-hmm. range. Mm-hmm. She is wooden and terrible in the resident evil movies and she's probably going to be just as terrible in the monster hunter movie so yeah i'm i'm don't have high hopes for him directing her well but probably going to feature her a lot as the hero now that said the conceit of an army being transferred to monster hunter world i think does serve a purpose cinematically because you get fish out of water so that way you can exposit and explain the world to casuals Right. In an organic way, because if you just had it in Monster Hunter World, yeah, you could get creative and explain it, but it's it's a lot easier to explain it more quickly and then get straight to the action if if it has to be explained to characters, right? Yeah, and I sense. I like the fact that they actually include because they could have just transported a Monster Hunter World and it's just monsters like a prequel and there's no people, right? But at least they included locals. Like when I saw Tony John, a few of the others, I was like, okay, cool. At least we have that, right? Right. But I agree with you that. You're going to have to turn your brain down. You're going to have to go in and go, okay, this is a big, dumb action movie. Paul W.S. Anderson is kind of ridiculous. It, it is what it is. I'm glad it's happening. I think it's going yeah. to be an interesting interpretation. And honestly, it's a video game about tracking and hunting and fighting giant monsters for long periods of time. So really, if it's just a set piece to set piece type thing. In fact, I think, you know what? Talking about set pieces, I think Zack Snyder would have been a great director for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. just have him just make bombastic scene after bombastic scene. Character development, story. No, no, just just fight the monsters. Right. That'd have been cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm marginally excited. Like I'll I'm not gonna rush out and buy the Blu-ray on day one or go see it in the theater or anything for obvious reasons, but I'll check it out. Right. So all right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh I think that is it for me, because you covered a lot of my other news and you can talk about the big PS5 news if you like. Okay, yeah. So Sony had a state of play where they revealed the PS5's user interface. And may Ooh. I just say, it is sexy. Ooh. It is so nice. So sexy. The user yeah. interface. The interface yes. which the users interact with the system. Mm. So Rico basically... <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. So they started off showing us Caliente. Uh, showing us the control center, what they called it. Basically, this is the place that you'll go to when you're in-game mm-hmm. and you hit the PlayStation button. Mm-hmm. And it has a bunch of these cards that they called, and they show you different activities that you can do. Mm-hmm. And you can say, so they were playing Little Big Planet, no, Sackboy, Little Big Adventure, mm-hmm. or Sackboy, Big Adventure, whatever. Yeah. And uh Yeah, the new little the new little big planet adventure yeah. thing with Sackboy, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And so uh one of the cards showed a level that you had already completed, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a hundred percent complete, it was like thirty three percent complete. Mm-hmm. And when you click on the card it tells you what you missed. And you can also get in game help 
from the developers, like a video or something that they put on PlayStation. If you have PlayStation Plus, mm. you can access these developer videos to show you how to get the items, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have to go on your phone and look up on GameFacts.com or whatever. Yeah, like where the hell is this piece of armor I'm supposed to pick up? Shit. Exactly. And that yeah. I think that's going to be really helpful if a lot of developers decide to do it. That's the catch because yeah. this is not guaranteed for every single game. But I, I like it too. What I found interesting about games who utilize this feature is you can go through it. Like say if you're trophy hunting, maybe you've already beat the game and you just want to jump to a certain part of the game to get a trophy that you missed, right? Mm-hmm. You can use this and it will use the SSD to almost instantly load you into that particular part of the game. So again, you don't have to play up to that point if you're starting like a new game or whatever, or you don't have a save that's close to it. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. You can do picture in picture or side by side and play the video showing what you need to do if you need that extra help. You can also do picture in picture when someone wants to share their screen with you while you're playing a game. Yeah, so you can look at somebody else's game that they're playing or if like somebody's doing a stream and you can still play your game and check them out and interact with them either through voice chat or probably through text. Yeah. That type That's going to be good for uh, me and you because every, like, every time you invite me to watch you play something, I'm like always playing something else. I'm like, I don't want to stop playing when I'm playing. <laughs> so now I can just put you in uh, picture in picture and just chat away. Yeah, I used to send out invites a lot because I would uh, stream through my PlayStation and then when I started streaming through my computer and my capture card, not so much. But yeah, I just I want to give like friends on my own PlayStation a heads up whenever I was like streaming Witcher and stuff. This would be kind of a cool way to interact. And I don't know if I'm going to stream directly through my PS5. But if I do in the beginning, if it ends up working better than my capture card when I'm streaming PS5 games, then I might go back to that. That'd be kind of a cool way to get people to, to interact, you know. Sweet, yeah. So I am in to it. Definitely. Did you see anything else during the UI presentation that got you excited? Anything interesting? I forgot to take notes. I did watch it, but uh, I, I remember. Oh, um, you did. See. Uh, the picture in picture stuff. Mm-hmm. The... Oh, that games and media have separate tabs on the PlayStation home screen, which is going to be immensely helpful because with the current UI on the PS4, like I'll have a game, a game, Netflix, game, YouTube, game, game, game. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's just a lot to go through. I utilize the folder system for me, and I put all my media in a particular folder, and then I put like all my horror games in a horror game folder, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But now you um, don't have to do that. Yeah, it can just organize it for me. So that'd be nice. Yeah. I hope you can still organize it yourself, though, because I do kind of like customizing sure it, yeah. so to speak. So yeah, no. And I like that you don't have to use an app to get into the PlayStation Store. You just yes. jump right into it. So oh if you want to check deals, you don't have to wait for like, you know, a minute or two for it to load, and then. It looks like it's a little bit easier to navigate. Yeah. Um, I was on Twitter and Tim Rogers was like, thank you for updating the PlayStation store. I literally had nightmares about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I could just imagine him saying it like that too. Hello. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, dude, silly. Cool. Well, yeah, that was exciting news. I think, I think we nailed it. So one thing I want to ask you, and this is something we alluded to earlier, Derek, I just got to know this week, what you feeling? I'm feeling Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time, baby. Woo! Crash Bandicoot 4. Let me tell you this, man. They, I believe it's Activision. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Toys for Bob. Activision Blizzard. Mm -hmm. And they killed it. It feels like an actual sequel to the uh, old school Crash Bandicoot games. You get, I think, four playable characters. Mm -hmm. Actually, five. You can play as Crash. Coco, Tana, which is Crash's girlfriend from an alternate dimension. Oh, I thought he was in love with the Coco. No, Coco is his sister. Oh, oh, yeah. that's a different type of love. Yeah, he's in love with the Coco, with the Coco. <laughs> Dingo Dial, which is actually, he's really fun to play as. He's got a... Don't put that uh, into the Urban Dictionary, kids. Right, Dingo Dial. <laughs> <laughs> and Neo Cortex. So you got five playable characters. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about this game is that it lets you play in the modern mode or retro mode. Retro mode means that you get lives, and when you lose all your lives, you have to start the level over. Uh, that's how I started playing. And then I switched to modern mode, which is uh, if you die, you go back to a certain checkpoint. Your last checkpoint, and that's it. Mm. Because the this game, while I do love it, is incredibly hard. I have died hundreds of times, like hundreds. And it's sometimes I die so much I just had to put it down because it's I just get so frustrated with it. But it's so beautiful. The level design is amazing. Mm-hmm. The music is really good. You can get alternate costumes for Crash and Coco. 
I've been running around as Neanderthal, crash like the whole game because he looks all manly and stuff. He's got a beard and everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I'm loving it. I don't know how long it's going to take me to beat it, but I'm I am looking forward to it because it cool. is a great game. I right now I'd give it probably a nine out of ten. Awesome. Yeah. That's 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 great, man. Yeah, so with you dying a lot, is it just the type of game where you get right back to it really quickly? Do you feel like when you die, it's your fault, not the game's fault? Or is it 50-50? Like, how's no, that it's work? It's 50-50. Sometimes it's the game's fault. Mm, okay. Because, like, the way that Crash moves, or any of the characters, they move really fast, it seems like. Mm. Much faster than the earlier games. And sometimes the jumps aren't as precise. But you, you get used to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds like it's in the spirit of the originals, because platforming always was a little dodgy. Right. Um, for better or worse, and... Some people are into that, some aren't, but uh, yeah, no, it sounds great. I'm glad that you're enjoying it so much, so I might have to check that out sometime, definitely. So what are you feeling? Uh, What am I feeling? I am feeling a documentary on YouTube, in which always are hit or miss when you get amateur documentaries on YouTube. What do you know about the five gods of Smash? I know nothing. There are, within the Smash Brothers community, specifically Smash Brothers Melee, what they call the five gods. These guys are probably the greatest at one time, and probably still are to a point, the greatest Smash Brothers Melee players in the world. This is documentary is actually about one of the Smash gods in particular. His name is Hungrybox. Have you heard of Hungrybox? Nope. Hungrybox is a great personality to follow. He still plays Smash and does a lot of streaming. He's on YouTube, of course. I'm not really into the Smash Brothers competitive scene, but the documentary was so compelling that it actually gripped me. It starts off with him playing in a tournament and he wins and somebody throws a dead crab at him and he stands up and he's like, who threw this? Do you know how hard I had to work to get here? And they stop and they go back like they rewind like his journey or whatever because he seems like mad, like really mad, almost indignantly mad. And they're like, why do people hate him so much? Why do people love him? What's he all about? And it's actually really fascinating to like go through this scene and watch the rise of these tournament players and then specifically follow Hungrybox's journey. So I'll get you the name of the documentary in the YouTube channel because I think it really is worth checking out. So the documentary is by a YouTuber called Emp Lemon, like Emperor, so E-M-P-L-E-M-O-N. And the title of the documentary, it's, he, does, he does a series called There Will Never Ever, or, or a series called Never Ever. And the title of the documentary is There Will Never Ever Be Another Melee Player Like Hungrybox. <laughs> and he mains Jigglypuff. Oh, yeah. So also a, a, great, a greatly hated character in Melee for reasons he goes into. So for those who somewhat interested in good documentaries marginally interested in smash again it wasn't something i would never really dive into i don't care much for the smash competitive community because i've never been particularly really good at smash competitively i'm kind of rubbish at it but i have a lot of fun with it obviously Mm -hmm. but this documentary really had me interested and it's pretty popular it was dropped about eight months ago and it's already got uh, almost 3.5 million views so it's interesting I'd, i'd check it out for those who uh like to sit back and watch a feature-length documentary about a dude just trying to play a video game, y'all. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of just trying to get out of here, I feel uh, I feel like there's this energy inside of me trying to get out. I feel like it's my power level's going to oh, 9,000. Too many sentiments. It's time for Derek cross mic anime edition we will prove our justice to the world this week we are doing berserk episode 5 versus full metal alchemist brotherhood episodes 13 through 15 and oh my god so much crap happened this week i don't know if i'm gonna have time to go through it all but i'm gonna try my best do you want to go first yeah i'll go first all right rocket berserk episode 5 Episode 5, last time we left off, Guts was about to go into battle against the Black Rams. And in this episode, the Band of the Hawk basically pushes them back. And it's been three years since we last saw Guts. Mm. And he's now a full-fledged captain, and he's a badass. He's a man. And his men, yeah, his men love him. Men love him. Women want to be him. <laughs> ladies love him. Girls adore him. <laughs> yeah. Basically, in this battle, he 
goes out of his way to kind of go against the plan that Griffith mm-hmm. has sent. And mm-hmm. of course, Casca gives him shit. She don't like that. against the plan. Mm-mm. And uh, Corcus, our favorite Band of the Hawk member, is like, hey, you know, we can still kill him if you want. And I'm like, you're still on that shit. Three years <laughs> later? Three years later, you don't like him yet. Three years later, you think you can kill Guts, boy? Right. Boy, stop. But it's, it's crazy to me that the Band of the Hawk is so good. It seems like none of their people die in these battles. You yeah, no, I mean? Griffith's a military genius, yo. Yeah, and like, but it, military genius or not, like, the fact that they're so much better in combat than any people that they're up against mm-hmm. is, is crazy. And so... Uh, they seem almost supernaturally blessed. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the... Uh, they were fighting for the king of Midland. Mm-hmm. He was saying, uh, if anyone can beat the Black Rams, I will give them whatever they want. And so Griffith and the Band of the Hawk do. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, the king knights Griffith. And now Griffith is a knight, and the Band of the Hawk is officially part of the Midland army. Wow. And the nobles do not like that shit. They don't like that. This commoner <laughs> becoming a knight? Ugh. Hell Gross. Yeah, they're talking so much shit about it. And then they get their next mission, which is to attack this armory that's led by... I think blue whales they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, here comes Adonis. Yeah, and so they're attacking it, and Costa sees Guts kind of run off, and she's like, hey, what are you doing? And Griffith's running through the compound, and then he's like, Griffith, no, it's a trap! He sees all these houses smoking, and then Griffith says retreat, and Corcus is like, retreat? The hell are you talking about? We're in here. And then they all retreat, and all the houses that were smoking start exploding and blowing up. So the general of the blue whales had actually rigged it to explode when they all got inside the fort. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a punk. Yeah. And but so, Guts uh, saw through that. Guts is smart. Yeah. Guts is good boy. He good boy. <laughs> and uh, Casca starts giving him shit again, but then she's like, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. You know, uh, you saved Griffith. You're just, he's basically, everything he does is to protect Griffith. Mm-hmm. So she's like, you care about Griffith almost more than any of, any one of us. So I'm sorry for you know, treating you like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they get their next mission, which is to attack an enemy castle, and the episode fades out. Oh, you in for it in the next episode, bro. Oh, boy. Oh, you just said, hey, nobody dies. Mm. Oh. Oh, mm. no, is it? Oh, mm. no, is this next episode mm. with your boy? Mm. I think it is. Mm. We'll see. Mm-mm. What I liked about the... The first battle where he runs off and does his own thing. Casca and Guts are arguing. And then Casca's like, you're a mad dog. And he's like, say that again. Griffith yeah. comes up. <laughs> his calming presence. Casca, Casca storms off. And Guts was like, I, I do care about my men, Griffith. Okay. I just, you know, I saw a chance to go and do what I had to do and make a difference. And then Griffith, I love this. He goes, it's quite all right, Guts. I drew up my plans with your propensities in mind. Well, it's like he exactly knows. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, he knows Guts is going to run off and do his own thing, and he factors that into his plan. Griffith is just a mad galaxy brain genius. Yeah. So, it yeah, no, you know, this next episode I think you're going to love because it gets super hype. And his uh, hair is even more long and flowing than it was three years ago. I know, right? He's looking gorgeous. Just yeah. a gorgeous man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. A lot of stuff happens. So, Woo. episode 13. Woo, boy. Edward and Alphonse are expelled by their teacher, Izumi. She finds out about, you know, them doing the sacrifice they had to do to bring their mom back. She's like, I can't keep teaching y'all. So they leave. And then her, yeah, her her husband shows up and goes, hey, didn't you guys come here to get information? She goes, yeah, but she expelled us. Doesn't that make you guys equals? You're no longer a student teacher. You can go up and just approach her as an equal and just demand the information. And they're like, what? (laughs) So they go back and try to get the information. Meanwhile, Mustang is announcing to his five subordinates, including his girl Hawkeye, that they are all going to transfer to Central. I'm assuming he's transferring to Central and bringing his homies with him so he can continue his investigation, maybe his rise to become the next Fuhrer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's part of a promotion he's having. We shoot to Scar, the guy from Ishval, who was really dangerous and could just blow up Alchemist by touching him. And he's in a squatter colony with other Ishvalan survivors. And he's advised by the elder that if he keeps pursuing his revenge against the state alchemists, it's not going to help the rest of the people who survive from Ishval. Like, it's just going to create this cycle of revenge cycle of and, hatred will and continue. yeah, retribution. 
while they're talking, he's accosted by a couple of thugs that this guy named Yoki recruited. I don't remember who Yoki is, though. So Yoki is a character that is more fleshed out in the original 2003 series. Ah, okay. Yeah. But he was there at the very the, the beginning episode with Scar as far as like when he was attacking State Alchemist. Is that right? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, so maybe... he's, he, yeah he, he doesn't get much backstory in this one. And when he does, they just kind of brush it off. Oh, okay. Because Brotherhood assumes you've seen 2003. Oh, yeah, because they introduced him like he was a dude that I had seen before. And I was like, did I miss this guy? Right. At any rate, he wants to take Scar back to Central over the murder of one of the state alchemists. But Scar easily defeats the thugs and just leaves. Anyways, so back in Dublin, Alphonse, uh, and this that's the area you know where, where Zumi lives. Alphonse is lured into a trap by some chimeras and they mainly look human but it turns out they are actually chimeras like they're bonded with other animals there's one that's like bonded with a cow he's like a really big dude he just mm-hmm. looks big and one that actually you can kind of tell because they got like a lizard tail uh one with a snake one with a dog that type of thing yep and these chimera are employed by another one of those seven seven deadly sin kind of mysterious members uh named greed first time he shows up and greed actually is trying to make a deal with Alphonse to learn how to bond a soul to a suit of armor. Because apparently he can already live forever. And this explains why Lust was able to pull that knife out of her head. He's a homunculus, which apparently is a human created through alchemy. The, the very thing that Edward and Alphonse are trying to do to bring their mom back. Yep. In fact, that's why they all have the Ouroboros tattoo. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess, a sign that they are homunculi, right? And he admitted yep. he lived like 200 years. And he even had one of his henchmen, the cow guy, like bash his head in, like basically bash his head Knock off. His head off, yeah. Yeah, and he just regenerated right in front of Alphonse. He's like, "Look, see, I can share so this badass. secret with you guys. You know, if you share the secret with me, because I'd like to be bonded to a suit of armor and really live forever." But then Edward shows up to try to find Alphonse. Greed kind of offers that exchange, and Edward's like, "No," and just immediately starts fighting him. Mm-hmm. He's a little outmatched because Greed can basically shield up. And even if he does get injured, he can heal heal really fast. Edward starts to understand how the shield works, that he's basically using alchemy to transfer the carbon around in his body. And he can't shield himself and heal at the same time. Then Azumi shows up and Edward and Azumi both beat Greed back. In the meantime, Fuhrer King Bradley is in town. He finds the den and he shows up with some soldiers and the chimera are like running away and they're trying to kidnap Alphonse and he just starts killing all of them. And then mm-hmm. you find out his eye patch pops off and on his eye is an Ouroboros tattoo. Oh, King yeah. Bradley is one of the seven. He is Raph, I believe. Yes. Yes. And a bad that's right. He basically kidnaps greed. He kills the rest of the monkey lie, including one that was hiding inside Alphonse's suit of armor. So he oh. stabs it. Inside Alphonse's suit of armor, which is messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he escapes. Now, the interesting thing about Alphonse having someone killed inside of him is some of that blood gets onto his seal and flashes him back to when he lost his body. And apparently he also saw the truth, just like Edward. But his because he lost his whole body, his memories kind of blocked it or blocked yeah. And it was unlocked. So now he can also do alchemy with, without a circle, just yeah. like Ed can. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't learn any, much anything further, which they were hoping for, you yeah. know, so they can unlock the secret, getting their bodies back. So he gained some extra power from it, but that's about it. I basically, some of those events shoot into the next episode where Bradley and Armstrong kind of go in to raid Greed's hideout. So Bradley can use it as a cover to hunt for Greed. How did you take the reveal? Oh, that King Bradley was one of the homunculi? Yeah. That was interesting. I don't know why I automatically assumed he wasn't a bad guy. I think it's because he was so calm and so strong. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got hints he might be a bad guy just because of how high up the military chain, some of these like human experiments and the ish falling like slaughter and all that stuff goes. And right. the fact that Mustang was hinting that he was going to become the next Fuhrer. I mean, we'd, ha- he'd probably have to replace King Bradley, which means King Bradley would be dethroned. King Bradley, while 60 years old, looks pretty spry. Right. So I was like, how's that going to work out? Yeah, he he tore greed to shreds, man. <laughs> yeah, he did. He basically, King Bradley, when he fights, uses like six swords. 
And he stuck him to the point where Greed really couldn't move and kind of carted him off. So Greed is taken as a captive by King Bradley to a, a character just known as Father. He's kind of like a shadowy character. I'm assuming Father will probably call himself Pride because I didn't see the seventh or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they don't explain him as Pride just yet. Father has all the other deadly sins people there. There's envy, there's lust, there's gluttony. Apparently there's also sloth, but he looks kind of mindless and they keep him chained up like in an underground area, I guess. Uh So they don't really go into that too much. The uh, father expresses disappointment and greed after he deserted the rest of the homunculi and I guess their cause. When greed refuses to rejoin them, he is melted down alive of liquid lava and, and used to create a philosopher's stone which father then drinks. So I was like, okay. He was like, basically, I made you the part of my soul. I'm going to drink you back. And I'm like, right. all right. Now return to me. So just a huge exposition dump on the homunculi and how high up their influence in the military goes, basically to the Fuhrer. That's interesting. Right. Then in the next episode, there's a new intro, and I'm guessing like a new part of the series, like season two, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Scar shows up and defeats another state alchemist, the silver alchemist. He looks kind of like the Monopoly guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cool fight. And he returns to his temporary hideout to discover that Yoki, that character that I don't know about, <laughs> found a young girl who she's kind of coded as Chinese. And you find out there's this whole other country called Jing across the desert from where the main characters are. And this little girl's name is Mei Chang, and she has a little tiny panda called Xiao Mei. And they were traveling across the desert, also searching for a philosopher's stone. And you find out that she has a form of alchemy. She doesn't call it alchemy, though. She calls it something else. Alkahestry. Alkahestry, yeah. And she uses it to actually heal a wound that Scar got when he was fighting the alchemist. So she can, like, close up wounds with her alchemy, which is kind of nice. The suit of armor, the crazy one that found Alphonse at the fifth laboratory, Barry the Chopper, he actually gets caught by Hawkeye and then... And detained and interrogated by Mustang over the assassination of Hughes, trying again to gather more information. They've learned that it wasn't Barry the Chopper that assassinated him, but I guess they're getting more clues about who it might be, that type of thing. And then we shoot back to Rush Valley because the brothers are coming back from Dublin. They get to Rush Valley where all the auto mail is made and Winry's still there having a, having a ball. Ed tries to get Winry to repair his auto mail since it got damaged in the last fight. And they find another man from Jing who appears to be starving. His name is Ling Yao and they feed him and he explains that his purpose for coming across the desert is to research alkahestry and kind of get a philosopher's stone. And then his bodyguards show up. He has two bodyguards. They, they act like ninjas, Lan Fan and Fu, and they try to kidnap the El- Eldritch brothers. So they start fighting them. And again, they're just trying to get the secrets of the Philosopher's Stone. But the brothers defeat them. And that's where Alphonse reveals he can, you know, do alchemy without a, a circle. And they, like, almost destroy the damn town. Right. Uh, the bodyguards do eventually escape. And the brothers have to basically go, hey, sorry for destroying your town. But they go ahead and repair it. They meet with Ling again. And he explains that he wants to become the heir to the throne of his kingdom in Jing by offering the king information about the Philosopher's Stone and immortality. Winry joins up with Edward and Alphonse and Jing, and they all prepare to depart for Central. And then they shoot back to Scar and Yoki, who are traveling to Central at night with Mei. So you got Scar, Yoki, and Mei, the little girl from Jing, going to Central. You got Mustang going to Central. And you got Edward, Alphonse, Winry, and the Jing prince, Ling, going to Central. Mm-hmm. Not sure what's going to happen next, but I've got a lot of characters converging on the same place. Yeah. And that's where we're at. All right. So how are you feeling about it now? I really enjoyed kind of the story advancement in episodes 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. 15 was all right. I'm getting so tired. I'm getting kind of character overload. And they yeah. introduced a lot there of stuff. Zing. Zing. Yeah. But um, overall, it's it's really starting to pick up. And I'm I find myself enjoying it more. I still think... Alchemy needs to be better defined. I feel like it's a little too loose. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can't tell what they can do with their powers. But I feel like whereas Edward and Alphonse was kind of detached from the military and the goings on of the plot, and they were just really pursuing their own personal story of getting their bodies back, they're now just inextricably intertwined with this nefarious plot for the military and, and uh, the homunculus and King Bradley and how the Philosopher's Stones are made. And now other countries seeking out this power like it's going to come to a head. 
and I like the growth that they're experiencing between the two of them and their their role in this plot and kind of getting more interested in the inner workings of the military and a lot of the good pe- the good state alchemists that are in it and how they're trying to investigate what's going on as well. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it looks like it's coming to a head. And there's a lot of cool fights. I like King Bradley versus Greed. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, Armstrong going against the Chimera. That was yeah, fun. Like the fight dude, against yeah. the Chimera cow guy where he like beefed up and grew out his horns and stuff and fought Armstrong. That was fun. Uh, so yeah, the action's picking up and I'm really enjoying that. Edward is still definitely not the strongest character in the series yet. He still get his butt kicked a lot, but he's scrappy. And I like how he you know does his best to use alchemy to get an advantage in the situation i don't like that he exposits during battle which is just a trope of anime like oh i see it was easy to figure out once i knew that your carbon had switched around that right. i knew i had to do i'm like, just shut up and do it god you can't harden and heal at the same time yeah why would Ugh. you tell him that you know that because then now he knows you know that shut up <laughs> so but yeah uh looking forward to episode 16 through 18 next week and i'm definitely looking forward to hearing you recounting episode six because he's a good one Oh, man. He's pretty good. All right. Well, that is our show, people. So let me ask you, Derek, if folks are interested in hearing what you got to say, following you and your pickups, maybe buying a few things, where can they catch you at? You can follow me on Twitter at goodies underscore more. I'm on Instagram at gamer goodies more. And you can check out all the awesome pickups that I post on my eBay store at ebay.com slash str slash gamer goodies and more. Excellent. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Peterson AL. Uh, I got a YouTube channel for all my archive Twitch plays at MC Paperstacks Plays. You can catch me streaming in Twitch, twitch.tv slash MC Paperstacks. Monday, we're doing Brawlers and Warrior games at 9 Eastern. Fridays, Horror games at 10 Eastern. And then I got a mainstream Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Right now, I'm playing Hades. Our podcast does upload a new episode every single sunday so check us out our hub is anchor.fm slash player two is enter the pod you can also find us pretty much where podcasts are located breaker google podcast overcast pocketcast radio public apple podcast and spotify if you have any questions stream suggestions thoughts feedback criticisms you can email us mcpaperstacks at gmail.com if you're on facebook check out a local group that i'm i run as an admin Facebook.com slash groups slash Indie Gamers. And that is our show, people. Thank you all for coming out. Really appreciate it. We will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. See ya.